You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of your goal guide and creator of the Deb Method for Goal Setting Simplified. You can't reach your goals on your own. You need your peeps. So every Monday, I bring in three people to dive into the topic of the week. And then Thursday, it magically becomes an episode of the Deb Show on the Marketing Podcast Network. And I'm really excited. I feel like September is like Deb's favorite topics because we talked about writing last time. And this time we're talking about networking, which I, as I said, I love. You can't reach your goals without your people. And today we've got some wonderful people joining us. We have Daniel Andrews, who we met through our friend uh, Suzanne Taylor. And Suzanne said, Deb, you love networking. You need to be friends with Daniel. And that pretty much it. Uh, and then Claire Jones, I met just, a, was it like a week and a half ago? I think uh, so. I think so. <laughs> Time is a weird soup right now, but I think you're right. <laughs> so we were, she was presenting to Women's National Book Association, San Francisco chapter, of which I am the networking ambassador. And towards the end, when she was doing the Q&A, I said, let's do some networking in real time. Want to be on my live show. So I, I just think, you know, for that story alone was worth having you on. But I'm really excited to get to know you better and have you dive in. And of course, my friend Robbie Samuels, I'm trying to figure it out. Have I really only known you like a little over a year? Yeah. Because yeah. it seems impossible. Yeah. And thank you for having me back on the show again. <laughs> thank you for, for coming. And, and so Robbie is, um, <laughs> be the croissant. He is a, um, virtual event producer. He is a networking guru, and I don't use that term um, lightly. And I actually had Robbie on my Taste Buds with Deb podcast because he wrote a book on croissants, bagels, networking, etc. Yeah, croissants versus bagels. I kind of, well, I like to call it croissants versus bagels plus the burritos, but you'll have to watch the episode to completely understand that reference. So we're talking networking. And it's, I think one, about a year and a half ago, someone came on my show and she's like, yeah, Deb, didn't you realize that you start all of your shows saying how you know all the people on your show? And I'm like, hmm, you're right. Absolutely. But this is how we start by making the connections. And again, a topic near dear to my heart, but I would love for my guests to introduce themselves a little bit better before we dive on in. So Daniel... Let's start with you. Uh, please share who you are, why you're here, and why this topic is so near and dear to you. Uh, Daniel Andrews. I'm in Columbia, South Carolina, which is my hometown, but I was gone for 13 years. 
Uh, I'm proud to say that I've been officially self-employed for 35 years, 49 if you start with the lemonade stand in first grade. So you can basically figure out how old I am right about now. Uh, whew, why am I here? I'm here because I firmly believe that we should all stop networking immediately. We literally, and I'm not kidding, we must immediately stop networking. Because my favorite book on the subject is called Super Connector, and the subtitle says, stop networking. And I think we should. And instead, we should start building relationships that matter. And so you guys use the word networking. I counted 18 times in the pre-show, and I'm over here getting twitchy because in my world, there's only networking. There is no networking. <laughs> and it's fine. You guys can use whatever vocabulary you want. But whatever it is you think of that passes for networking, it's not getting the job done. And you need to instead exchange that for true relationship and making things happen faster by going deeper. I will correct myself. The title of this episode <laughs> is actually, to. well, I can because it is building a network because Thank you're you. right. It really is all about developing these relationships and seeing how you can be of service to others, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. The noun <laughs> form I find acceptable. The verb form I object to, <laughs> but that's me. Oh, you good. call it whatever you want. Y'all call it whatever you want. I'm not going to scold or correct anybody, but that's why I'm here. Y'all came to play. I'm not going to scold or correct. Even though that's I why I'm here, right Excellent. there. I'm just well, telling you what I believe in. What I believe. Well, in. well happy to have you here, and um, Glare. Um, welcome. Please share yes. who you are and why you're so excited. Um, not including the fact that you were put on the spot to join this conversation. <laughs> yes, the email of you need to be on this. I was like, yes, why not? Uh, I've been doing public speaking and podcasting for decades at this point. So put me on a stage and I can find something to say <laughs> about something. But uh, yes, I've been in the small business and entrepreneurship for 17 years at this point. I founded four businesses over that time. And I've been an active networker for about a decade now, I think. And yeah, it's all about these building relationships like we're talking about. And I am so excited to talk about this specifically today because a lot of people don't think about the relationships portion of marketing. And that's, I think, what spurred your thought when I presented at the National Women's Book Association chapter in San Francisco, because my key to marketing is relationships over transactions. And that's what networking is all about. So I'm happy to talk about this topic today. <laughs> Excellent. And and the other thing that got me is uh, I remember you during the conversation, you, you met Elise and Brenda yeah. at a conference. Mm -hmm. So it, it's all about and that's really um, it, and I think I, I said when I was on on your on the shoes, Robbie, I was talking about one of one of my early uh, writing gigs was gotten through networking. I, I do something I call it event outcome optimization, where I do these pre-event planning talks before conferences and expos to get everybody setting goals and on the same page. Because when you go to any sort of a, event with intention, you're going to get results. When you go kind of like seat of your pants, maybe you'll have a good time, but is there business value? But I digress let's bring over Robbie to introduce himself. Glad to have you back. Hey there. Uh, thanks for having me. So, you know, networking was something that came kind of naturally to me. I, I'm an outgoing person. I'm an extrovert. So I like to be around people. But I started to really think about it more deeply when I was trying to build a community. It was at the time a, a meetup group. And I was trying to coach our regular attendees on how to be welcoming and not just clicky. Uh, with the other regulars. 
And a year in, we brought them all out for coffee and started talking about it. And basically, they were with me on like coming early, helping set up, greeting people as they came in. And then I said, you know, and then just like circle the room, you know, like schmooze, talk to people. And they all went like deer in headlights. So that's 2000, like five or six that that conversation took place. I, you know, was dating a quiet, shy introvert at the time. She was trying to figure out how to be seen at work without being me at work. And so as I was giving her some tips, she started writing them down. And I looked over at the doc and I was like, I could do a whole talk on that. And so I started doing a talk called Art of the Schmooze back in like 2006, 2007. And eventually that became paid work. And eventually I left my day job to speak full time on that. And then launched a podcast and a book and a TEDx all about networking at conferences and events. Um, and no one cared as of March 2020. <laughs> um, so I was like poised being over like success 10 years in the making in January 2020 when my TEDx got published. Uh, but since then, I figured out how to create the same kind of environment for relationships to matter in the online sphere. And um, I, have two, I have three books, all in some shape or form are about networking or or leaning into your network in some way. And um, just to speak on what Daniel said, I, I talk about networking, fundraising, and sales, which are all words that most people don't like and don't like the meaning of. I, I will work to reclaim the word for what we all know it should mean. So I don't shy away from using it, but I think we're all on the same page definition-wise. Um, because when people are Googling, how do I do a better job at they don't say building relationships. The, the problem they know they have, they're willing to admit is networking. So I want to make sure they can find good resources yeah. for that. Oh, no. And that makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, and I just believe that language matters. And I'm glad you're crusading to reclaim the word networking, make it mean what it means. And I've just decided that, uh, you know, to stand out, I'm going to language things differently. I don't do follow up. I do next steps. I don't do networking groups. I host business growth communities. Everything I say, the language is different for a reason. Mm -hmm. At the risk of getting another soapbox. No, I'm, I'm good. What uh, is your, uh, well, we're reclaiming the word. I, I like Robbie's take on it. So what is your definition of networking slash building a network slash whatever, whatever? Robbie? Um, well, I, uh, I have sort of a, a motto in life, like for me personally about showing up, it's like, I am enough. I have enough. I choose to live with abundance. And I wrote that down on a piece of paper, you know, in, I don't know, 2004 at a, at a training or workshop in person. And I, I have it to this day. And whenever I feel like I'm, I'm holding information, I'm hoarding something, usually it's knowledge. I have to remind myself like to let go. And so a lot of the way I think about networking and building my network is about abundance of thought and about sharing knowledge because time or money, I could lose, like I'll lose time or money. Like, you know, I, I have a finite amount of time and money. So like if I give away all my time and money, I, I will have less of that. But if I'm giving away knowledge and I'm supporting other people, then not directly, it's not a transaction, but in a way it's like giving rides to the airport. If you become known as the kind of person who readily gives rides to the airport, not only do you get one when you need one, but it might be from someone who's never actually received a ride from you. They just see you as the kind of person who's always helping and always giving. So, you know, I really kind of developed that over time and it's, it's worked out in my life. Like I have very little that I could imagine wanting for at this point, because there are people in my network that I could call up and will help me for just about anything I could imagine. 
And the other point that you accidentally, but probably not accidentally said is, you know, we give away these things, we make these connections, but the people you meet aren't necessarily your clients, your prospects, people, but with every person you meet, they become part of your tribe and vice versa. And it is that, that's such an important expansion because that's how you reach more people. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that I <laughs> joked in one of my emails like a couple of years ago that I want to have the kind of network where I have someone say, do you know anyone who grew up on a dairy farm? And I can say, yes. I got eight people replying to that email telling me they had some connection to dairy farms or growing up in a rural area by a dairy farm. Like, so the answer was, yes, I do. Like, I just needed to like put their question out there. <laughs> um, I don't know why that helped me today, but like, that's the kind of network I'm trying to develop is one that's really broad as well as depth in some spaces. Yes. And, and we are all one degree from Kevin Bacon. It's not, it's no longer two degrees. Everybody, I believe, is like one step away, especially, uh, and I talk in my book about this as well, there are connections and connectors, and we are clearly a panel of connectors. So, Claire, what is your definition of the networking word? Uh, that was a perfect tip because I am actually one degree removed from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I actually want to turn us back to the definition of def networking because I actually have notes that I took for today and I looked it up. So networking by definition is the action or process of interacting with others to exchange information and develop professional or social contacts. And so it's a very broad definition and it can literally happen anywhere. And we're talking a lot about networking events, but I want to broaden our definition of what this means because it's not only networking events or professional events, workshops, but in line at the grocery store, in line at the bank, talking with the nurse practitioner during your yearly checkups, going to sporting events, going to conventions, festivals, book clubs, or even like weddings, baby showers, funerals. Those are all events where people online or in person convene with shared interests, with similar interests. And so you are more likely to find someone who shares your interests at one of those events than you are grabbing someone randomly off the street. And so these are wonderful opportunities to interact with those that could potentially align with your values, your goals, your challenges, your dreams, your aims as a business. If you are at the same event, you're going to have that shared common ground to start with. And so I actually, the one takeaway that I do talk about with people is think about the events or the activities that you're already investing your time in that could also become networking opportunities. Like I sell people like when I'm checking out with the cashier at stores, I, the nurse practitioner example that I use is a very real one because it happened to me earlier this year. The nurse was like, what are you doing with your day? And I was like, I'm writing. And she was like, what are you writing? And I was like, I write romance, fantasy romance. And she was like, oh my God, I'm going to buy your book now. And so like, that's an opportunity for these conversations. And so Catherine Ling is tuning in live and she's like grabbing people randomly off the street usually doesn't end well. This is correct. <laughs> yes. However, you got recommend. <laughs> yeah, controlled environments. And, and I cannot tell you how many recipes I have on like random pieces of paper or even like on the box from 
some form of produce from a conversation that started there. So I am, I am with you. Every opportunity is an opportunity. Very much and it's so. not, and it's not always about the selling. It's about the connecting. It's about, okay. I, I would know. actually say it's never about the selling. No. <laughs> it is. Can, can I, can I pick the relay baton up from there and run with it? Because you just handed me a baton, Claire, that I would like to go run for with. it. Take the baton. People call it networking and it's not. Robbie defined it quite well, by the way. I would not attempt to to define it better. Uh, Claire, great background from you. So I will tell you what it's not. Speed prospecting is not networking. I asked a woman to describe her networking experiences and she talks about one of the happy hours. And I just get to, you know, try to make people my friend. You know, she's a travel agent, right? You know, get to know them over a series of events and, you know, hang out and socialize and, you know, eventually turn them into customers. And I, I kept waiting for her to describe networking. I'm like, that's prospecting with a beer in your hand, woman. That's not that's not prospecting. I mean, excuse me, that's not networking, right? When you're selling to the room, you are not networking. When you're selling through the room, that is networking. Now, I will also agree that you need to make the, you know, the point you said it's never about the sale, right? We go to business events because we have a hope of, of more business. And I certainly believe that the word network can apply to social networks and spiritual networks and business networks, right? So, so those those definitions are all very relevant. But I would say too that if you're in spaces that are primarily social, and that's not to imply that you can't ever make a business connection there, the way you engage with that network is different than the way you engage in a business network. And here's one of the key distinctions that I make all the time, and people miss this: they go to the business networking event with the same set of questions and the same tools in their toolbox that they use at the, you know, the knitting circle and the Bible study and the, and the, you know, the, the birthday treats parade crew, right. And the Mardi Gras crew in my town, believe it or not, Columbus, South Carolina has a Mardi Gras crew and the Mardi Gras event that we put on. Right. And that's wholly ineffective. Now I want to ask a question of the room. Please understand that's a yes or no question. I'll tell you about why I have to emphasize it's a yes or no question. I'm not looking for anything more detailed than yes or no. Is there anybody in your world that's been to your house? You've gone to Sunday or Sabbath dinner with them. You, you've played party games with them. You've gone bowling or thrown darts with them. But you wouldn't actually hire them to do whatever it is they do for yourself, your family, or your business. Are there people in your world like that? No. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Right. But the reason I had to emphasize that's a yes or no question. One guy paused. He thought I wanted a blacklist. I'm like, no, no, I'm not looking for names. I don't, I don't need you to tell me who I need to avoid. I don't even live in your city, man. That's not a problem. Right. But the reverse is true. Are there people that you have hired or would hire to do their thing, whatever their thing is, and you just don't pick yourself down in the bowl and alley on a Thursday night? Sure. So the questions and approaches we use for getting to know whether or not somebody belongs in our social circle is completely, completely ineffective for determining whether or not somebody belongs in our professional circle. And people are never given a, a toolbox with a different set of questions. So they're out there using the same questions they used to use at the college frat parties and the per first professional mixers. And, you know, like I said, you know, the, you know, the Bible study and the country club and the basketball pickup game and the knitting circle and the, and the mahjong, right? They're using the same questions and the same tools and not achieving anything remotely close to what they want. And then they wonder why, because they're making friends, which is fine if you want friends. But who do you go to if you are looking for something? 
it is your personal network as well as your professional network, yes? It, it, it depends a lot. Meaning if I wouldn't hire somebody to do their thing, I'm not likely to ask their opinion on who, who I should hire to do another thing. Right. And, and, and I mean, yeah, cause our friends are nearby. Right. If I, if I leave the house in the morning, I'm thinking I need gutters and I drive by a truck downtown that, that says, you know, we do gutters on it. I'm like, all right, take a picture of that. Note that. Right. I come home and I see a gutter truck pulling away from my next door neighbor. Right. I'm likely to ask him on this side or her on this side, what do you think of your gutter person? I'm like, I don't know. They're still doing the job, right? I don't know. They just left. I don't know if it's going to even last today, but I am more likely to put weight on them, but they're more accessible. And if you live in my neighborhood, I tend to think that your values are just like mine, although that's not inherently a true statement. But in general, okay, go ahead. I'll stop. <laughs> I no, I, I, <laughs> uh, accessibility, AKA word of mouth, right? Is something that you're going to go through First, before, okay, raise your hand if you remember the yellow pages. Okay, those listening to the podcast, no one is raising their hand, but I think we all do. Um, where, when, you, but now because people are so accessible and because we've all built communities, there's no reason to go blindly without looking for referrals. Uh, you're looking very thoughtfully at me, Robbie. Did you have something? Well, I think on this I, tangent, yeah. Sh I mean, I'll I have something to say on any tangent, but um, I know. Good, me too. I think Dan, I, I I'm seeing what Daniel's point is, and I think he's he's is emphasizing the point to make the point. Um, you know, I tend to want to buy from my network, so when people pitch me on LinkedIn for a service uh, blindly, uh, I've had times when someone has pitched me a random service, and I'd had a huh, I wonder who I know who might know somebody who does this. <laughs> and I like delete the random pitch, but I might go ask three or four trusted, you know, professional network people like, who have you used have done this? Is that is it even a thing that I should look into? Is it worth it? Who, you know, who, all those kind of things. I would much rather get the either direct referral, like someone I I know or someone I know referring me to someone else than like a random person, right? So I think in that sense, that's another form of networking. I, I, I tend to believe that our networks are the most untapped resource that we have. And the people I tend to look, I do coaching. I, I have many hats. I'm a multi-passionate, you know, passionate, multi hyphenate entrepreneur. And so I'm a business growth strategy coach and consultant. And when I work with my clients, they tend to be entrepreneurial women in their 50s and beyond who are looking to grow their impact and income through some kind of new revenue stream. And that specific demographic is because they have a body of knowledge to share. They want to have a big impact. They want results sooner rather than later. They're not willing to just try things for three years. Like who's got time for that when you're 64? So what I tell them is, you know, the network they built for the last 30 years is the network they should go to. And they just have no sense of how to cultivate next steps through that network. And that's, that's what I wrote about in my second book. And to me, it's like, nurture a wider network of people because you just don't know when you'll need something and if you only ask your closest friends and family for a job connection and they don't have any like that's it like that's the end of your job hunt so you have to think beyond the immediacy of your of your people to a broader like you know the whole weak ties kind of thing that malcolm gladwell made so infamous um so it's just it's that kind of thing so i think how do you nurture a broader network is the question I ask every week on my podcast. 
you know, the people who you talk to, you know, every year at a conference, you work with five years ago, but you haven't had a reason to since, but you enjoy each other. You, you, you think each other, you know, you like think well of each other. So what, what are the ways to sort of stay top of mind? Because it's not who you know and what you know. It's who knows what you know. And are they going to remember you seven years later when they need you? And so that's the kind of networking I'm always thinking about is like being visible, being abundant, sharing, helping. Sometimes it's hyper-personal. I once sent a card to someone when they posted about someone, a uh, death in their family on Facebook, and it arrived the day of the funeral. I mean, I, I can't make that stuff up, but like, she reached out and we ended up doing business together. That wasn't the point of that card though. You know, it just, but it, it put me really back on her radar, you know, in a big way. And I've been supporting her and vice versa ever since. So I don't know, that's how I sort of think about this. And I don't know if I'm going any contrary to what Daniel said. I saw him cheering me on earlier. So <laughs> maybe I'm not, I, I think that I may be making a slightly different example of your point. It, and I, yeah, I, I haven't heard any of us contradict each other yet. Okay, We're just good. taking it, looking at different views. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when you asked me this question on your podcast, I said this, you know, my goal chat live, AKA the Deb show is one of my favorite ways to stay in touch with people. Um, if I've got a topic and I haven't seen someone in a while, I will go through my network, um, my LinkedIn network and put in a keyword and see, okay, who talks about this? and reach out. Um, and then the other thing I do is every month I do a meet and greet for potential guests because I need to know the people. This is me bringing friends together. If we're not friends yet, this is this is how we be friends, you know, come into my world. So there, there's so many different ways and approaches. There's something else you, you said that, that I really loved. You said if you're pitched something and it's interesting, you go to your network to see who, yeah. who, who offers that. It's another... Um, another way, especially those of us with really robust um, networks, relationships, uh, tribes to say, hmm, this is really interesting. So so I love that little catch on that. So Claire, you have been quiet. Yes, I've been formulating my thoughts on this. I have three key concepts that I think you need to identify when you are answering questions for yourself. Number one, you have to know what your goal is. Like Daniel said, a lot of people conflate networking and sales prospecting when really they're two separate things. Robbie is using networking as more of like a resource gathering activity, whereas Daniel is talking about sales prospecting as like, I'm going out looking for sales for my business. Those are two different goal sets there. And so when you're going into a networking situation, you have to decide which side of the spectrum you're on because... and response to Daniel's, you know, this or that kind of thing. I think it's more of like a Venn diagram, the questions you ask your business contacts versus your social contacts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. And you kind of have to understand which camp someone sits in in order to ask them the appropriate questions. And this all boils down to what you're selling and what your brand values are. If you're selling life insurance and you have a very fiscally conservative approach to life insurance, that's not a match for my values as a consumer. And so I'm not going to buy from you because you don't match my values as a consumer. So it's not because I'm your friend or I'm your business contact. It's because our brand values don't match. And so I'm just making a value decision there. And if you are selling, like, for example, journals, that's a much easier pitch to me than life insurance, right? 
And so I'm going to be more willing to interact with your sales prospecting and or networking behaviors if I'm in the market for a journal versus if I'm in the market for life insurance. And so you have to go into these conversations being aware of those three aspects. Like A, what are my goals in this conversation? B, what am I selling here? And selling is a very loose term. Like, am I selling a book club or am I selling life insurance? You know, and then third, what brand values are at play here? Some people buy from companies because they offer convenience, they offer speed, they offer quality, they offer scientifically backed research. Whatever they offer is kind of like that brand value proposition there. And that's why they're going to buy from you over the competitors. And so when you have a saturated market, you're going to be looking at those three topics more so than just picking the first person off the list. And you know you had me on goals because A, it is me. <laughs> B, this is Gold Chat Live, aka the Dub Show. But really, that anything starts with that goal. And it's uh, and one of the things that I talk about is like when you're thinking about your goal for your business, it's about helping others. When you're thinking about your goal for grow for networking, is about how you help yourself so you can grow your business so you can help more people. So love those points. So we've got know your goal, know what you're selling and, you know, who you are and what you are about. And that, that values, because if it's, it's almost like when you pitch yourself to, to a podcast, why it's always so important to listen first, because you need to know that you're not going to wind up uh, aligning yourself with someone who's a hundred percent opposite of who you are. So, um, absolutely. I always do a vibe check with people before I jump on podcasts. I call it a vibe check with Zoom call because there's nothing more awkward than jumping on a live interview and having no rapport already built. Yes. And and hence, again, um, my, my meet and greets. And I do love it when people refer people to me to the show, but I had one guest who would have been who somebody swore up and down would be perfect. And, this guest would have been perfect on a different topic with a different panel. Um, but that's all. I don't want to out anybody. So that is all I will say <laughs> well, about that one. Cause, cause you try, because you, you value your network. I, I I'd like, I'd like to uh, take Claire's point and, and paint a, a, a crystal clear situation where this might value, right? You said brand value means something, right? If you sell life insurance, but you sell it wrong, as far as you're concerned, right? Friendship doesn't count for much. I agree. And um, it's worth noting that most of us don't bother to investigate, right? If Robbie's in life insurance and Claire's in life insurance, and that's all I know, and Deborah asked me for a referral to a life insurance agent, I'm either going to toss a coin, you know, turn my back and toss a coin, I'm going to refer to both. And the reality is if I know something about Robbie's brand values and I know something about Claire's and I know even the littlest bit about Deborah's, I might be able to send to the right place. But again, people are asking the questions about tell me about your family, tell me your vacation, how long have you been in your job? And they're not asking questions like what drives you? Why do you do what you do? Right. What does good customer service look like for you? Because that's not just going to tell me, do I want them in my world? I may want both Robbie and Claire both in my world, but I might meet want to choose who I send Deborah to based on that based on what I know about her, so that she's a more likely to give satisfaction. Whoever I send her to is more likely to be satisfied. Cause like how oh, that person aligns with me. And then the next time Deborah needs a lead, she's not like, can you do better than the life insurance one? Cause man, I just not get along with that one 
at all, right? So people aren't investigating the brand values, so to speak, and what people stand for. And that makes it harder to give the right introduction at, at the right time. I am curious, I'll, I'll pause. It, we, it, I'd like to, to paint a fun, vivid picture of something Robbie said, but I'm not the host here, so I will shut up until I'm invited. <laughs> well, you know, you can't, right? Can you, can you paint it quickly? You kind of can't lead into something. Yeah, I oh, I've got another great example, but I'm not going to give it to you. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I can attempt to do it well. And, right, the, the preference that people have to do business inside their, um, in, inside the, the network that they already know, right? And it comes because of the value of trust, right? There are people in my, in my network that I, whose, whose recommendations I want to actively avoid, right? You know, so I want to do business with the people I trust. They happen to be inside my network. Okay. Um, the way this lesson was painted for me, man, fastest version of this. Sadly, these two people's names are almost similar. Bert and Butch. St. Louis, Missouri will not do business with anybody that they did not go to high school with. Literally will not do business. You think I'm exaggerating? People from St. Louis. Oh, I, I'm from the Midwest. Me. I know you're not. No, Kansas City's different. Kansas City wide open. Des Moines wide open. St. Louis, freaking weird. But anyway, they want to do business with people they went to high school with. I'm not from St. Louis. I'm trying to do business in St. Louis. Bert is an open-minded guy and he wants 30% of the deal, right? And I was willing to give him that because I had to make this happen. He introduces me to Butch. All you need to know about Butch is it's multi-generation, multi-point, big operation. This was a big sale. That's all you really need to know in the world, right? It's a big sale. So we go on, we talk value, right? I'm talking to the CFO because that's where my value lies at lunch. Bert is talking to Butch about who they went to high school with, who divorced who, who's hot, who's not, you know, how the kids turned out. We leave. We come back. We're trying to close the deal. Bert is, excuse me, Butch is the one that can sign the papers. The CFO can't. Bert stands in the parking lot and Butch points at me and says, who is this guy? And Bert says, he's my guy. And Butch says, but I don't know this guy. And Bert says, but I know this guy. And Butch says, well, what happens if something happens to this guy? And Bert says, I'll find another guy. And my emphasis on the fact that Bert did not take that opportunity to tell Butch how credible I was. He took absolutely, he did, he did not in any way, shape or form attempt to convince Butch I was credible. He just reminded Butch that Bert was credible. And that was my light bulb. An introduction isn't so I can sell myself. An introduction is so that I don't have to sell myself. That when Rob, when Deborah said to Robbie, get on a Zoom call with Daniel, Robbie's like, yeah, okay. He wasn't exactly. like, why would I do that exactly? He didn't ask me and he didn't ask her. He was like, okay, hey, I'll even invite him in my thing, right? Next thing I know, I'm in Robbie's event. It's awesome. And we, we also have to add the point. So when Robbie did his no more bad Zooms a couple weeks ago, when you both were on it, you're like, we need a one-on-one. And I said, please wait until after you're on my show. <laughs> so, because sometimes the people know each other and that's on purpose, but at least for the most part, for my panels, I love bringing fresh perspectives. So they, like, I know if you met up beforehand, but thank you for not. Anyway, so we're we're talking about the the value is when you've got these really strong connections, that's all you need. And you're and it's a great example using yourself is when when people know that if I'm doing an intro is because I'm vouching for both. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely huge. So where do people 
start? What is that first step in building a network? Go flare. Practice. You have to become expert at reading between the lines because a lot of people discount small talk. They're like, I don't want to do the small talk dance because I just want to get to the nitty gritty. I want to get to the deep stuff. I want to get to, you know, your closet skeletons that you keep. But you really have to learn how to interpret small talk. Like when you talk about what the weather's like, when you talk about, you know, whether you have kids or dogs or cats or lizards, you know, or where you like to go on vacation or what you like to do for hobbies, you are learning their values through the answers that they give you. So if they like to do skydiving out of airplanes for fun, they are probably more risky than someone who likes to knit for fun, right? But I mean, that's also like a value proposition conversation to have is like, what kind of things do you knit? You know, you can't just make it a blanket statement of like all knitters are risk averse, right? And so you have to have that conversation, that nuanced conversation and keep your ear open for those nuances. Like I know a lot of cross stitchers that do feminist phrasings on their embroidery projects, you know, and that would be a less risk adverse value person, I would say in, you know, my judgment of it. And so you have to be able to read between the lines of what someone is saying in order to understand because they're not going to come to you in like, you know, a Facebook DM or up at a networking event and be like, hi, I'm risk averse. You know, that's not something that happens, right? You talk about what you like to eat. You talk about what the weather was like, what the traffic was like getting there, right? And those little indicators are going to tell you more about that person. I love that example too about because there are the nuances within it it's not just um this because you can (laughs) you can take risks with baking you know um you can take risks with what you can learn to read people's linkedin profiles and do the same thing you can you can judge their priorities their values you know not that that's all you should do, but you can start there. There's a lot of information you pick up about the way people describe themselves. And more importantly than that, look at the recommendations they've given and received. I thought you were going to say it as like a hobby, <laughs> which I guess it also could be, right? Sure. No, but but because people will pay professionals to help them write their profiles. But the recommendations that they've given are always in the first person. And if you that's read true. those, you'll t- you can learn a lot about what people value. It's fascinating. Mm. Nancy's here taught me that. Oh, a mutual friend. I'll pick up the thread from here, Deborah. Thank you. Sure. So, uh, uh, you know, I had started doing this talk, Art of the Schmooze, and um, launched a podcast called On the Schmooze because clearly I wanted to keep the the theme going. And I wanted to write a book about networking. And, And I have to tell you, figuring out how to make money teaching people how to network was a lesson in frustration (laughs) because networking is something that a lot of people admit they're not great at and should get better at, but they don't say I have to now spend money to solve for this. Like it's not a problem that is acute enough or um, like, it's just, it's just not as urgent as other things in their life. And they also, if they need to get better, they, they don't just generically need to get better. There's a reason so after a while, I finally figured out, oh, business development is the reason. But on my way to that journey, I thought about how poor people uh, do at conferences. 
And this is something that we put a lot of time, money, and effort to leave our house and travel. Luckily, we're able to do this again uh, far away to a place to congregate and meet people. And so there's this like high intention around networking. There was a study by the International Association of Exhibition Events that said 76% of all people surveyed uh, networking was a top driver for why they were choosing to go to an event, right? But we don't think the three quarters of people who go to events and conferences meet their people, make the contacts they need to make whatever they're going there for. And so this is what I was struggling with when I was starting to write this, this my first book. And I was trying to figure out how do I organize the chapter? She says, well, isn't there like before, during, and after? And I was like, well, no, because you would think of like the follow-up or the next steps, as Daniel would say, as the after. But if you don't go into the event thinking about what you're going to the event for, you may not even be going to the right events. And so my best takeaway, I got asked this question sort of on the spot by a reporter once, like, what's the thing you haven't told people yet that they should do? And I said, draft their follow-up message before they leave for the event. And he said, well, what are they going to put in it? They don't know who they're going to meet. I said, oh, but they know who they'd like to meet. If they don't, they'll do the homework now to figure that out by looking at who's going to be there and who the speakers and the sponsors and all those things. And so that that's the pre of the follow-up. So like, if you have that and you, you have the intention around the right people and you track the cards of the higher priority people and all this process, and you schedule before you leave the house the hour after the event to actually send the follow-up messages, you're just more likely to follow through on doing all these things that lead to actual relationships because the relationship doesn't happen on the first conversation. It's when Daniel and I schedule a second call. That's when we both say it's worth us continuing to spend time together. We don't know what it will look like, but until we like both reach for our calendars to make that happen, it was just nice to know you, <laughs> you know, like it's sure, not a relationship. Absolutely. It's an introduction. Yes. So oh I think gosh. like the intentionality of drafting that message, getting in the right mindset. And I have to just explain the, uh, <laughs> be the croissant because it's hanging there. So my, my book title is croissants versus bagels. When you walk into a networking event, people are clustered together in these shoulder to shoulder huddles that are impossible to sort of break into. Those are the bagels. And if one person in the circle shifts their body language to make space for others to join, now you have a croissant. Oh my gosh. Genius, Robbie. I, I would love to jump off of that because you said at the beginning of your point there that you need to find your people at these events because it's not just guaranteed that you will. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately when it comes to like, we've all heard about wealth signaling, like wearing things and driving cars and doing things to your houses and posting pictures that signal how wealthy you are. But I also want to introduce the term brand and value signaling. It's how you dress. It's how you your body language is at these events. It's the shoes you wear, the jewelry you wear, the haircut you have, because that is going to give people that first impression of you and be able to say, yes, I agree with their values. No, I don't agree with their values. Right. And that's going to save you time in the long run. Right. Because like if you are a, you know, Daniel versus Deborah on this side of the screen, you know, we have a very buttoned up suit, very tight tie versus a looser neckline with more vibrant colors. And so you get to decide who are you going to approach first? 
is Deborah more aligned with the value signaling that you're looking for? Or is Daniel more aligned with the value signaling that you're looking for? If I showed up to an event with, you know, a suit versus a cocktail dress, that's going to give a different value signaling. And then that will attract my people or repel the people that I don't want to talk to. And that goes to Robbie's point of knowing what your goal is beforehand going into the event, because then you can pre-plan those value signaling aspects. Unless you think I'm too buttoned up, I am barefoot. (laughs) and And I have to add, I worked in corporate for many years. And whenever I say that to people, they do a double take. They're like, really, Deb? And I'm like, yes. I was director of communications and financial services for like six plus years. And then we move on. After, you know, they they pick their mouth up off the floor, we continue the conversation. So really good points. Um, everybody wants to jump in. Robbie? Well, I like to say that you're more likely to have serendipity when you know who you're looking for. So, Absolutely. you know, this is like, I, I, and I actually place like 60% of the responsibility on the participant going to the event and 40% on the people hosting and designing the experience uh, because you could design an incredible experience and people stay in their room or sit in the front row and skip the coffee chat. Like, you know, you could design all these opportunities, but it, people have to like actually use them. But I also get the complaint. This is how I ended up doing event design work is that I get, you know, event hosts who say, oh, people always say they want more networking. So we added more time between sessions. We added a longer networking hour. I'm like, no one's good at the Like, that's all unorganized, just like chaotic, vibrant hallways that some people might, some people might do better in this space, particularly if they know people at the event. That's fine. Like they have a reunion. But for the people who are first and second year, like those spaces are really hard to navigate. So I actually spent a lot of time teaching concurrent session speakers how to welcome people into their individual rooms in person so that the people who come in early and duck out of those vibrant catacombs can connect with each other as opposed to sitting as far as they can from each other and getting on their phones and missing the opportunity to connect with the other 10 people who had chose the same topic and also didn't want to hang out in that space. Um, Because I really think there's so much possibility there, but most of us just think about networking and like a what's best for the extrovert. I'm an extrovert. I can still tell you that if you design for someone who's not me, I will still benefit from the experience. Like I don't need the vibrant chaotic space only to be the way I network. So I don't, I think that it's particularly when neurodiversity first timers, people who don't speak the dominant language, people who are extremely shy, there's like so many other ways that we we don't welcome people. And there's a difference between inviting and welcoming. So to me, it's like networking and relationship building and the event design piece. And then, of course, we had to figure out how to do on Zoom. Um, there's so much that we can do, but the intention of the person coming has to be followed by actually doing it. <laughs> like the intention I, alone cannot be how they measure their success. I, sure. I am, I'm with everybody, all of the above. And this is kind of, this is fun for me too. Why I love these panels. It's the same example of four people talking about networking, coming from different perspectives and the lively conversation that goes along with it. Uh, two things. And then I will let you, you chime in Daniel. Um, and then it's time to go for goals. And no, I'm not surprised that this hour is going so quickly. Um, the one aspect that, that I always talk about is before you go anywhere or do anything, take an inventory of your LinkedIn, your website, your social profiles, mm-hmm. and make sure that intent 
is reflected in your online persona because if you meet people if you've got the side hustle that's got no digital footprint but that's what you're talking to people about you google people you linkedin search for them as soon as you meet them they do the same to you so you want your digital to be as an alignment as your intro whether it is online or in person the other thing that I wanted to share is that Robbie and I are both speaking at John Chen's engaging conference in October. I put the link in the comments. It will also go in the recap. I am doing the the pre-event planning happy hour the Friday beforehand. And I think you're speaking on Monday. Yeah, Monday afternoon. So grab your tickets in the link. And it's whether you you design events or attend them. There's going to be so much value for anyone. Oh, and and yes, Robbie. I wanted to share a networking tip for people who are participating in virtual events. So you're not the host. You're not the speaker. There's two things we can do in chat. One, be the person who shares the takeaways. Even watching this live, being a person who engages with the live and, and shares takeaways. But if you're like on a, a live event, um, sharing with the speaker talking about. The second one is share the resources that the speaker mentions. So, um, you know, every time Deborah mentions uh, a book or a podcast or something, go on and like find the link and give a little context to the link and drop it in. If you have yourself a resource to share and you're constantly helping the, the, the event in this way, if you direct people to your website, people aren't going to think you're spamming them. Like it's just like another resource share, right? So um, plus, even if you're on like a webinar where no one can see you, it's a way to step out of the crowd. Honestly, I don't, other than live tweeting, which is no longer a thing, there was no way to really replicate this in person. It, back in the day, sort of live tweeting did this. The small group people would step out of the crowd um, if there was a back channel in an event. But these days, it's not really happening as much. And I just think it's a great way for people who are a little quieter, don't want to be on camera to still be seen and attract the people to them that they want to meet. Really good point. And, and I think, um, I think it was a year ago before the last year's engaging at that, what it was engaging virtual meetings conference. Now it's engaging conference, but I had you and John and Bobby Carlton on, uh, to talk about, engaging meetings. And I remember so vividly this tip. I will also link to that conversation in the show notes. Um, Daniel, anything you want to add? I want to acknowledge that Claire brought a level of awareness to me that I did not have before this thing started in the last segment that you had. Yep. Um, Robbie, uh, I disagreed with you on a point coming into this and just hearing you talk, I'm like, I might need to rethink that. I, I, I think that you made a solid point that I need to, to rethink and I'll just be simple about what it was. And that is um, I didn't, I've never put any coaching or training effort into what people need to do at the events because I'm convinced all of it happens after the event, but you increase my awareness of what could happen at an event by going into the event prepared. So you change some thinking. I want to dig into with that with you and get some enlightenment and I can share. And I, and I want to kind of illuminate spotlight, uh, amplify something that Robbie said that I think gets missed. You are never building relationship in a group. And by a group, I mean four or more. You're not building a relationship. You might in a breakout, but if you're in an online event or at a real event and you're in a group, you're not building a relationship. You might be maintaining relationship that you already have established. You might be losing a relationship if you do something stupid or rude 
or say something unthoughtful or untoward or racist or sexist, anything like that. But you're only building a relationship when you're in a two or a three. I call them paired interviews. When you're two and three. Robbie and I have done nothing other than created some content awareness for each other. But we don't know how much we like each other. We're inclined to like each other. Let me phrase that differently. I'm inclined to like Robbie. I don't know if I'm turning it off. I'm inclined to like him based on this. But there's no trust. There's no cred. There's no credibility, reliability, likability in the group. You've got to explore later. And people go to these things and they come away and they go, nothing happened without realizing you didn't make it happen. Yeah, I'm That's actually. What happens next that matters. I'm actually an introvert, and people say that I am amazing at networking. And that is exactly because I do what Daniel says, is I invite them into a one-to-one -one conversation afterwards. Because, because introverts want what it's true networking I is. It's where Death. I do my best work. Quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Introverts yeah. are built for this. <laughs> they are. And one of my beliefs is that events are a great way to be that jumping off point to meet a lot of people, but it's what happens afterwards. And something Robbie said, which I also speak on is set those appointments, you know, put it in your calendar. So you do the follow-up, you send the connection requests, you check in with them. One of the things that, that Claire said went on her um, WNBA San Francisco thing is, you know, to interact, to direct message, to stay in touch with people. I just, I put in the chat and this will also go in the recap. I wrote something on networking goals because networking isn't just about the meeting and the continuing these one-on-one -on -one conversations, but it is also doing the outreach, sending the cards like Robbie did, just saying, hello, how are you? And it can be that subtle, but also that that is so, such a power, Robbie. You know, this is something I think that it's changed since 2019. Um, you know, I started going to this National Speaker Association conference in 2015, and it's now nine years later. And I have friends in that space, people I really have deeply gotten to know. Um, what got easier in the last couple of years is that I didn't have to go to an event to see them. That Zoom is now so ubiquitous, and I am specifically talking about Zoom, but it could be any platform, uh, that we can leave a conference with the intention to meet up again for coffee, even though we live in different time zones. That, it, that, that was harder to do in 2015 when I started going to this conference. I would be like seeing them in Las Vegas, and then a year later I'd see them in you know Orlando, and a year later I would see them. And it would just be like, it would take three years to really start to get to the point where we'd we'd make the effort to, to connect and stay in touch. And now I can invite them to a thing. They can invite me to a thing. We can schedule a catch-up call. You know, we can we can write emails and ask each other for support on things. I, I think that the speed at which I'm nurturing relationships has changed. To couple that with the events that I host regularly where we've gotten to see each other, it's not just the one time. It's like, I, I really do think you need to like become a regular in a space to, to start to nurture those connections in an easier way. And the same effort to go three times over a year is to go three times in three months. But if you go three times in three months, people will remember who you are when you skip month four. 
But if you go three times over a year, you're always a newcomer. You're never, you're never established. No one knows who you are. You're constantly introducing yourself. So I, I often focus my energy, my client's energy on sort of how to break into a space and really like how, what can you offer? Can you write for their newsletter? You know, can you offer to do a training? Like what's the thing you can do to establish some credibility in this space to be, be a value in this space? all the way down to stacking chairs. I've stacked every kind of chair that's ever been made. I don't go home. This is the difference between an extrovert and introvert. I stack chairs, okay? I also work with people who I point out that doesn't mean I'm better at networking because I could be distracted, just mild chit chat, high fives and hugs and not get into anything of depth and not track who I'm meeting. I'd rather go for an hour Right. And really make these three strong connections, you know, either reconnections or new connections. And so I don't think it's about introvert and extrovert. I think it's about intention and follow through. And um, this has been a great conversation. So thank you again for inviting me. Yeah. One last thing I want to add to that is that I think the beforehand activities are the filter activities to make sure that you have a qualified pool of prospects or potential cheerleaders is what I like to call them. And then the after activities are the nurturing activities, turning it into a relationship, something past the first expression. First, That's a great structure to understand that in, Claire. I appreciate that that, uh, elucidation. What I would love to do before we wrap is to have each of you to share a goal, to gift a goal to our audience. What is something that they could do today, tomorrow, immediately to improve the value of their network building. You want to start us off, Claire? Sure. I I mentioned it a little bit before, but I asked people to write down five activities that they're already investing their, their time in that could also become networking activities for them. So in line at the grocery store, going to the bank, funerals, weddings, that kind of stuff. Love it. And Daniel? Reflect on how much joy it brings you to give introductions and resources to other people and allow that to give you permission to ask. You have not because you ask not (laughs) and you are not imposing on people to ask. You are creating a space for them to give. Reflect on the joy you get for giving and allow other people that opportunity to give back to you. Otherwise you're robbing them of that joy. It's a, it's a gift. Right. You I, I'm asking for goals to gift, but it is a gift to let people help you as much as it is for you to help others. Mm-hmm. I love that. Daniel, that's great. I, I my background's teaching people how to fundraise. It's one of the things I've done. And I there's a phrase in the world of fundraising, kick yourself out of the way and let the cause talk. And if you don't, like then people don't get the opportunity to feel good about making that gift. And it's the same thing in this context. But what I want to share was uh, this book, which uh, I put the resource in, in the comments. Uh, if you go to Smallest Big Results, you can follow a step-by-step guide for how to discover likely prospects and likely referral partners from within your existing network, figuring out based on their connection to you, uh, their influence in this work and their interest in this work, who you should focus your conversations with, follow up with, your research calls with, sales calls with, um, get to know you calls with, or reacquaintance calls with etc. Just sort of uh, zero in your efforts. So you're not just like broadly spamming your network all the time with social media posts, which is great, but it isn't going to lead to the results that you need. Uh, I had a client go through this. She had 2000 contacts. She found 200 people to reach out to. And I was like, that's your year. Focus on those 200 people and see the results happen from that. So that would be my suggestion. And there's lots of free content at the list uh, link, smalllistbigresults.com. Okay. So 
the goal of it is to go to smalllistbigresults.com, but the more goalie part of it is to really hone in on who your people are, right? Yeah, to actually do the exercise, which no one likes doing, but everyone who's done it said it was really, really valuable, to be Excellent. honest. <laughs> well, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Friends, where could people learn more about you? Well, we'll, we'll go backwards because, Robbie, you're still talking. Sure. Uh, happily. Uh, RobbieSamuels.com is the home of all things uh, Robbie. Um, whatever might have caught your attention, all the links live there. Most of them on are off my website. Awesome. And Claire, where can people learn more about you? ClaireEJones.com is my more general site, but you can find me at Claire Joyance on all major social media platforms. Excellent. And Daniel? Daniel Patrick Andrews.com. We seem to have a theme going here. You cannot Google Daniel Patrick Andrews and find me because that's also the name of a bombastic Australian parliamentarian. So the first one million Google hits will return someone that you probably don't care about or want to hear from. But Daniel Patrick Andrews.com will take you there. I have no lead magnets. I have no hook. I have no drip list. I have nothing to assault you with. But if you want to find out why I believe finders fees are hurting your business, track me down online. Connect with me on LinkedIn and ask me why finders fees are actively hurting your business. That's my hope for getting you to talk to me. Awesome. And I am at the Deb Method everywhere. And you can go to the debmethod.com slash blog for the recap and the links. And I also put everybody's LinkedIn there. Uh, send a connection request along with the notes saying that this is where you met. Because, again, you can't reach your goals on your own. We can now be each other's peeps. So thank you all for joining. I am again, I'm Deborah Eckerling every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific. I go live with three friends. And then on Thursday, it magically becomes an episode of the Deb show on the marketing podcast network. So subscribe on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform. Let us inspire and motivate you to reach your goals because it is so within your power. So what final thought would you all like to leave our audience with? Daniel? Change your activity if you want to change your results. Got it. Claire? Have fun with it. Your values are going to shine through if you have fun with it. Ooh, that is one of my favorite things to say. Because when you love what you do, it shows when you don't love what you do. It really, really shows. So why not have that joy? Ah, Claire Joyance, show through. Awesome. And Robbie... Be the croissant. Be the croissant. Open your circle. Let people in because you never know what awesome can come of it. Thank you again, Daniel Andrews, Claire Jones, Robbie Samuels for joining me today. Thank you all for tuning in, choosing yourself, your goals. Um, go on out there and go for it because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Deb Method on social media, and check out thedebmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.